<laughs> what are you doing? I found you called I went, us. I know. I went to the other room to get my... You took a while to answer, so I went to go get my earbuds. That is the worst, though. When someone calls you, and then they're like... that. You answer the phone, they're like, oh, hang on, just a second. Yeah. Hold on, I'm, I just need to finish this quick game of chess. Oh, gosh dang it. Um, <laughs> no, what I really like is when you get a phone call from somebody, and you just barely miss it <clears throat> and then you call them right back and you get voicemail oh yeah you're like did you literally f hear me my phone go to voicemail and then drop your phone and run away <laughs> <laughs> three dogs north is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible the following has been from its origins in space and time and put internally at your disposal. So, what's it like being ordained, dude? Oh, gosh. <laughs> it was bound to happen. Yeah. It was yeah. bound to happen. It's good. It's very good. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. All I got to say about that. That's all I have to say about Vietnam. Maybe you should clarify why that question is annoying, not so people don't think it's because you didn't like being ordained. Yeah, fair enough. No, you just like I've been asked it probably roughly fifteen hundred times. <laughs> just a rough last, estimate. That yeah, rough. in the last week or so, which mm -hmm. it's always like just like very well-meaning and right, you know, like very earnest. But but it is. I mean, it's good. The ordination was awesome. The weekend was awesome. I'm glad you guys got to partake. Yeah, it was a fun and weekend. This, yeah, it was very. To partay. Partay in the partay. Yeah, it was an yeah. awesome weekend. Dude. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was so great. It was so great. Sorry I couldn't stay for the Sunday. Yeah, no, it, it, Saturday night was fun too, man. We just hung out, yeah, had a, big, had a big campfire. What do you guys smoked. do all day Sunday after I left? Or Saturday after I left? Not much, man. That sounds it, pretty sweet. Yeah, no, it was pretty great. We, uh, I'm trying to think. I had a, some family come over like right, right after you were leaving, and they just chilled for the rest of the day. What did we do, dude? Holy smokes! It didn't we seem just, like there was going to be much happening. You just, we just you hung guys out. had an awesome breakfast spread of carby yeah. and meaty delights. We yeah. did. We. I ate was feeling like all. if I stayed here, I probably would go down in that basement and lay down again. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Yeah, the Brimmers, I think they Skyped with Mama, Mama Brimmer. <laughs> yep. Um, and then we basically just hung out in the living room and talked. Until like three in the afternoon. Yeah, living room slash kitchen convos. I, I got put through the freaking the Russian torture chamber. Oh, that was pretty <laughs> entertaining, dude. <laughs> what happened? Give them a little context. Okay, yeah. okay. So I woke up on, and I, I was feeling it on Friday evening after the ordination. We were out late just talking and hanging out and having a good time. And I, I felt my back tightening up, like lower back, so bad on Friday night. And when I woke up on Saturday... I legitimately was worried that I had like slipped a disc or something. Eesh. My back was in severe pain. And Rob's brother, younger brother Ross, is a doctor, a PT. Yeah, yeah. He's a physical therapist. Physical yep. therapist. Mm -hmm. um, he's got a huge brain and he's been practicing for a little while. So I said, hey, Ross, why don't... Well, and also, disclaimer, added disclaimer, I think I my back started getting sore because i was talking to martha griswold who is amazing <laughs> martha griswold is awesome shout I, out martha Thanks martha griswold coming. yeah uh, it was great to talk to you um and i had to lean in because i'm i have like eight foot legs and she was smaller so you i was are roughly twice her height yeah probably. yeah and most of that is is legs so i was leaning a lot i was leaning in and she has a soft voice so she was and I had to listen really close. So I, my back was so sore. And I, so I said, Ross, why don't you look at my back and try and help me? And next thing I know, he's got me in like a legitimate pretzel. In on the, the spladel? What? He's got you in the spladel? In the, he's got me in a pretzel. He's got like my leg, you know, behind my back. Oh, and he's gosh. yanking on like another foot. I couldn't do that unless you dislocated some joints. 
my whole body was on fire and he's like doing all this with my legs and i'm i'm yelling and he's like having intense joy and there was even a time where it flipped from ross being ross to like pt ross he's like okay now we need to breathe okay can you breathe for me all right i'm like ross (laughs) just what are you doing man i'm not one of your patients laughing and he's like smashing my back and he only did stuff and he like he, he moved my back a little bit here and there but basically only fixed like worked with my legs and no joke the next day i woke up and forgot that i had had back pain the day before Whoa. it was so effective i couldn't believe it that's pretty he's cool. not a chiropractor he's a pt mm-hmm. but it hurt like the dickens when he was doing it hmm. and the next day zero pain i was pretty impressed yeah so that was that was basically that, Saturday. That was like thirty minutes of entertainment because not only was I was in front of everybody <laughs> out of it, we were pretty much just all sitting around the living room watching <laughs> Mike like writhe in pain on the, on the ground, which was pretty great. How many people are you talking? I don't even remember. It, well, Julie was there, Ross's wife, and I don't know if the Brummers were there at that point. It felt like out. when I got when I would get wrestled by my dad and he'd put me in some hold that was meant to inflict pain. <laughs> That's what it felt it's like. not normal, but yeah, right. Right. kids wrestle with their dad. He doesn't put them in pain inflicting. <laughs> oh, dude. Well, then their dads don't know how to wrestle. <laughs> I'm sorry to break this to you, but your dad's a loser. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And he's forming you to be a loser if he's not putting you in. <laughs> You're right. You're right. So that was actually it was good to get to talk to your parents. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, they and they loved like having everybody there. And my parents the same thing when I had ordination. I had all my seminary buddies and old college and focused missionary kind of people coming by, and it's mm-hmm. cool to uh, show off your friends to your family mm-hmm. when you have mm-hmm. really great friends. So that's I'm not we surprised. Are pretty great friends, aren't yeah, we? We're really great people. Some of the best I've ever met. I'm. I know that's true for me. I yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> I think it was Scott's dad who had a uh, kind of classic line when you start like a toast or something. Like, <clears throat> I would rather be here with you than with some of the greatest people I know. <laughs> 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 kind of a dad joke, but I've always been partial to it. That nice. is definitely a dad joke. <laughs> no, it was. It was just a cool cool weekend saturday night was great and my dad does love hanging out with our like all of our friends all, <laughs> like all my siblings his good friends. oh yeah your dad was totally down to clown at like midnight when we got back from the hilton oh yeah and he's oh. like oh do, do you want a nightcap yeah. you want a want a whiskey mm-hmm. yeah that ended up just the three of us actually it yeah was we, you yeah you me and my dad that's i was right. very much into that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you seemed like you were fading dude when you're getting ordained were you just exhausted by the end of the weekend oh my gosh wait till priesthood man it is yeah like twice as much it it took me honestly pretty much the bulk of last week to feel like just feel rested a lot of it is I, the I, adrenaline of it you know like you're mm-hmm. so you're so jazzed yeah well and i thursday night the night before the ordination i actually slept really good like went to bed oh, at a good time awesome. and thursday and friday were like the calmest days I was, the calmest I was all week, mm. the week of ordination. So, mm. which I, that was a real grace. So going into the ordination, I was, yeah, like as calm as, as calm as I could be anyway. But then I, like the reception after it was awesome. Yeah. But it was just exhausting, you yeah. know, to talk to so many different people and get congratulated. And, um, and then, yeah, we went to, and it was actually it, how it worked out. It was just like I couldn't have drawn it up any better because the reception really was nice and got to see a ton of people there. And then what there there was like probably 15 of us or something that went out to um, that bar after or mm-hmm. so. And so I was able to like really talk to kind of a, a closer group of friends there. And But yeah, Saturday, I mean, it was up and going with the morning mass and. I was more nervous about Sunday and preaching in my hometown than I was about the ordination mm-hmm. itself, like way, way more so. So my delivery of the homily on Sunday was 
like I don't even remember it honestly but I was so nervous yeah. going into it objective yeah. disinterested third party Mike did it suck no no not at all hmm. I heard from everybody else that it sucked Dang it. Yeah, JK, you dude. Tell him you don't <laughs> say that to him. Yep. Okay. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Rob, it was great. Don't mm, worry. Oh, yeah. oh it's so good. <laughs> I was just winking when mm-hmm. I said that. I winked. Well, only yep. he can see you, dude. Yeah, that's a good point. Oh, yes. Why is there something rather than nothing? Your initial, I don't know how yours was, Bisc. Like, or if there's any difference between diaconate and priesthood. But the ordination itself, honestly, the only thing I really remember that much of during the ceremony of like, this is very cool and powerful was the litany mm-hmm. of saints. Just because yeah. you have so much time to like kind of catch your breath when it's being sung and you're laying down. And, and I didn't, I never really paid that close of attention to the flow of the, like the ordination itself, but immediately after that, you go get ordained. Yeah. Like, I mean, there is no break. So you get up after the litany and like we were, and I happened to be alphabetically the first one. So there was three of us and like we get up from laying prostrate and like reform our little line and MC like gives a little motion and I go over and you just kneel down and Bishop puts his hands on your head and so you go one, two, three, and then kneel for like the prayer of ordination and that's it. So, so that was a very like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe that. Well, all the sacraments are like that in a way where like I just did my cousin's, um, child's baptism yesterday afternoon. And most of the ceremony is window dressing to the actual sacrament which is i baptize you in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit it takes like literally five seconds but mm-hmm. a baptism takes 20 30 minutes because even in baptism you have a litany of the saints although in the sure. book it's right. like extremely abbreviated but the easter vigil same thing the uh yeah. litany of the saints is prior to the baptisms and then you baptize them then you confirm them and then it's yeah. over you know like uh so i, I always thought I remember the year before I got ordained was the first year I ever got to serve an ordination and mm-hmm. be up close. And a good buddy of mine was getting ordained. So it was kind of cool for me um, to see that from that perspective. But I, especially as a server where you're you're close, but you're not nervous, you're just kind of doing whatever the MC tells you. Um, I don't know. It felt like I felt very relaxed and in it. And mm-hmm. the the impression I was left with was like, you know, these men enter here and then they leave priests. Something happens, you know, like it's kind of mysterious. You can say form and matter. It's that moment that you get ordained when you get the right. hands laid on you and the prayer said. But there's also some sense of like you just come in here, an ordinary person, and leave with this sacramental character imprinted on you forever. And that you can see the outward sign, which is the the laying on of hands, but you cannot, it's a mystery what's going on inside, but you just, when you see it, you see it, you know, by faith. It's, yeah. it's not magic, but it's, it's real. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And then when you're in it, like, like you said, the few things that the one thing that you remember, I pretty similar to, to my ordination. There's not much that you remember. Like I couldn't tell you what the homily was about or anything like that. Oh, I remember Bishop Pepperocki's homily like pointedly, hmm. though. It, that one spoke to me. Anyway. Yeah, you know, it was very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at my own ordination, the thing that I remember most was lying prostrate as well um, yeah. during that. And just like feeling, not seeing, but like feeling your parents behind you and your whole family and a bunch of friends and an entire cathedral worth of people Yeah, while you're up there, like this oblation that they're all offering. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. incredible. It was uh, it was the mo- It was like the deepest experience of just intercession I have ever encountered. Like feeling it is not the right way to say it. That's mm-hmm. the best way I can describe it. But it was just like, and I, how your body is engaged when you're laying down and everything. I mean, it is it is like a literal just begging for those saints to help you. It's mm-hmm. like it's similar in the like in the funeral mass. It's something I, every funeral mass, even if I don't know the person, 
at all that I've like served since I've been a seminarian. I always start crying at the end when I, I don't even know exactly like it, sometimes it's sung or whatever, but it's like saints and angels come to his or her aid. Yeah. And that always just like tears me up, man, of like, I, you probably have the line memorized, but it's something to the effect of like, uh, now we take Joe to his final resting place. And then at some point, like saints and angels come to his aid. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just feel it, man. Like both the people there who, yeah, do love you and are like rooting for you and supporting you. Um, but then there's also this whole other heavenly reality of the saints. And it's just, it's like a legion going to bat for you, man. Hmm. Um, so just that culmination, like, everything to in a sense to maybe get to that moment of ordination to end it with that i mean the church just knows what she's doing man Mm -hmm. um like if everything else is kind of falling away at that point just freaking lay down and beg the saints intercession to help you um so it's pretty cool yeah i'm excited now to go to an ordination having been in one. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean. Just to, I don't know, appreciate it or whatever. Will you go to any of the other dudes in our class? You know, I don't know with the France trip coming up. Um, I mean, I'll be at priesthood yeah. in in May, which will, you know, feel and look very, very similar. Um, will that be the next ordination you go to? Yeah. Springfield, yeah. okay. Yeah, Springfield priest. Um, yeah, which will be the same day as your mm-hmm. diaconate. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> Conflict. <laughs> yep. Yepers. Well, one down, three to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. One down, three to go. And then I'm we'll pretty. All I'm be ex- in the same boat. I'll finally not have to talk down to you guys so much. I know this is literally. I can't believe you've done it for two years. This is exhausting. Having met this is my penance. Mm -hmm. The pod, the podcast is your penance. My weekly Mm -hmm. penance. Yeah. God bless you. Yeah, I went to confession last couple weeks because I didn't do my penance by podcasting Mm -hmm. with you guys. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, our out our output has been sporadic, shaky, spotty. Yep. We you know we're trying our best here. We do what we can. Yeah. You know what I have been doing. Um, from a couple podcasts ago when we were talking about writing, I've only yeah. done it. I told, I told Rob this when we were hanging out up in Mundelein the other day, but <clears throat> two consecutive days I did this. I haven't the last day or two, but sat down for an hour and just wrote stories and stuff. Wow. Uh, it's been very cool. I think I mentioned this to you, Rob. It's kind of like drawing when the few times I've tried to draw in my life. I know Nick Blaha tried to do this in the Holy Land hmm. to try to, um, just be more observant and attentive to things. And mm-hmm. when you try to, like when I went up to Mundelein for my day off, I just sat in the coffee shop and closed every app on my computer, didn't hook up into Wi-Fi, and just opened a Word document and just sat there until I started writing something. I wrote like 600 words in an hour. And it wasn't very good, I don't think, but it was completely out of my own subconscious and imagination creating a person, you know, or people. It was very, very interesting. Um, I liked it because it, it was like, even though it wasn't anything that I would ever use, it felt like I had done something hmm. rather than even just reading a book. I always feel more product, productive and happy when I read a book instead of watch a show or like the lowest common denominator is watch a YouTube video. <laughs> it's like that's like the least free thing you can do because it's often just jammed into your throat like right into your field of vision like something that might be interesting but you didn't choose at all it was chosen by some algorithm it's um, the least fulfilling thing of absolutely time. because it's the least free it's the least human it's just i am consuming media Ooh. now but this was uh this is a little bit more free in the human sense so anyway, I recommend it, dude. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it. That you sounds it's so much fun. Yeah, it sounds really, really cool. Did you write a story, or did you? Um, I'll tell you what I did. I wrote. Well, I wrote like a scene of a thing happening. I, I, 
imagined a person and then another person happened in it and something happened but it wasn't it was like almost nothing because they only did it for an hour and then the next day i was like should i keep going with that one or start something new because and i wasn't in love with the thing i'd made so i just started a new one and if i sit down again in the next week i'll probably start another one um but you know you never know maybe one day you'll go back to all i did was i saved them as word files as the date that i did them Hmm. so maybe i'll go back to read them and say like oh i could make a story out of this or something but it's nice to just have something kind of like this podcast where there's really no obligation to finish or do anything there's no end point there's no Hmm. due date there's no buddy that you owe a podcast you just we're just generously out of the munificence of our hearts we offer these audio files to so generous the internet public Mm -hmm. So Dang, I was I was trying to remember yeah. I, I can't I I can't remember what I was reading, but it was very, very recently and it was a dude talking about creating a story, hmm. uh writing a story. Man, oh man, this is gonna kill me. But he was talking about uh how he didn't want to write for a long, long time, and then it was like the characters in his head. Was this from the email that we got? The characters mm. in his head like couldn't be contained anymore, and he essentially had to put it out. I never read an email onto like a that. sheet of Me paper. Neither. That wasn't from the the mm-hmm. Tolkien email. No. Oh, this is gonna drive me insane. Hmm. But it made me think of just like how in love um, you can create something and be like, eh, eh, or like, wow, I really do love that character. Well, like that was what that was kind of cool more. about it. Was like I'd finished writing this little tableau. There was a little girl and a woman. And then a guy, uh, and they were a family, and it was all very peaceful. And there was a dog in there. And then yeah. I was like, uh, "Nice!" I finished for the day, and I, the rest of the day, every once in a while, I think to myself, "Like, I wonder what's going to happen to that little girl, or or whatever." Like, um, it did. It did sort of have an ex- external existence to my own. It wasn't just completely fabricated. Like I was kind of seeing what would happen, uh, taking the advice of like these things that we've been talking about in the books I've been reading about, yeah, re- writing and stuff like that. Um, like I have no idea. I had no idea what was going to happen in the story. I was just trying to imagine someone and what might happen and how they would respond. You know, hmm. that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I think if there's one lesson from this, it's that Three Dogs North should do a series of children's books. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, man! My my story—it's probably going to end in tragedy, uh, <laughs> like scandalous tragedy. <laughs> Not fit for children. Relax. What the heck was that, dude? <laughs> it, I was you. No, that was probably us. I don't know. The internet just had a total meltdown. Ugh, a brain fart, if you will. In a sense. In a All right. Can you hear us okay, though? Yeah, you're fine. Huh, I don't know. I think the the last thing I said before I heard silence was uh, Grapes of Wrath, that I liked that story even though it was brutal. Oh, dude, we did not hear that at mm. all. Yeah. I think, yeah, we were talking about the children's book, like, project of Three oh, Dogs yeah. North. Mm-hmm. Mike was making jokes about illustrating it with crayons in his left hand <laughs> only, and we must have missed the whole Grapes of Wrath. <laughs> I think we were probably talking, talking over each other, but we were disconnected. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tell me more about these crayon drawings. Realize you were on there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, look, if you write a kid's book or an adult book, <laughs> we could turn it into a kid's book. Okay. But I'll illustrate it. That's what I was saying. I'll illustrate it, but only left-handed and with crayons. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, those are my those we are could my do rules. whenever we hit a million unique downloads, we could give them a first edition <gasps> hand-done children's book. Oh my gosh! Three dogs north. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Yep. Hey, we emailed autographed pictures. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, we did. I have mm-hmm. extras of those, by the way. Mm-hmm. If we still want to send those out. We yep. still have extra autograph pictures that we haven't sent. Yes. Wow. Hmm. Hey, well, the thing is about a- making a children's book is that even if you have a really tragic story, like, you know, let's say in the story what? about the <laughs> tragic story. Yeah, well, a- I just have a feeling it's going to happen or something <laughs> that 
Think, no. What would East Eden be like in children's version? Well, all you children? you just basically make the psychotic Kathy character into like a pelican. You'd make Adam this the uh, you know the sad sack loser in life uh, who can't get it together. You make him like a bear or a donkey. You just make him into animals, and then it's a kid's story. <laughs> Is that how things work in your brain? I'm pretty sure that's what children's books are, right? Look, and then instead of saying like, hey, I'm going to murder you, it would be like, hey, I'm going to bully you. But then the dad says, son, you can do it. And that's the story. Okay. Like fatherly encouragement. That'll be a thousand dollars. Thank you. <laughs> we're on to something. I just, here. I just, I'm assuming we're going to get a bunch of emails from <laughs> publishers. Yeah. And I'd just like to put a disclaimer out that. 50 grand should do it to mm-hmm. get us to sign. What, as an advance? I was thinking at least six figures. Well, 50 grand. With no guarantee of us actually making a book. That's just to get us to thinking about it. 50 grand to That's... get us to email you back <laughs> about the possibility of thinking about your offer. Check first yeah. before you email us, please. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Also, um, we'll let somebody pay us 100000 to record it on audiobook mm-hmm. so that I can listen to my own book on my own Beats by Dre, <laughs> which I'm still waiting for the beats. I like how you Dre. phrase that. I would let someone pay me a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. That's a that's a powerful way to say that. Like you're in control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I'll I give you permission to give me that much money. Mm-hmm. Well for sure. Yep. I mean I don't you can pay us a hundred thousand dollars to be considered to read our audio <laughs> for Audible. That we will then listen to on our Beats by Dre that you have to buy us. Yes. Yeah. Like, as part you of, get to buy us. You get to buy us. And that's not included in the 100 grand. It's 100 grand plus three pairs of Beats by Dre. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So. Wow. This, really is, this is a very profitable episode. Absolutely. Yeah. This is. I, I don't think we've made this many self-righteous claims in a long time. And I've only time. been writing literally for two days. <laughs> and I'm already, I'm already filthy rich from it. It feels right. You know? <laughs> Yeah, it feels right. And of course, you know, we, I just threw it out to the universe. That's the thing is I just threw it out to the universe and the universe can be very generous when you manifest your desire that way. You know, mm-hmm. it's the good vibe. That's, that's what I believe in. Works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, this is, goes without saying, Karma, but I'll say it anyways. Friend. Yeah. <laughs> we we will also take oil. We, we like get paid in oil drums. Crude as well. oil. Okay. Yes. Yes. There's tons of storage here in the seminary. For gold. <laughs> you want the literal, you don't want like bills of sale, stocks, options. No. You want the literal oil. Actual oil. <laughs> Un- unrefined? Yeah. Will we take gold? Gold I, I would take. That's as good as cash. Yeah. It's better than cash. It, it is. is better than cash. Yeah, because oh. it only appreciates. Yes. It does. I appreciate it. <laughs> so speaking of... <laughs> Speaking of really this good, is such nonsense. I can't use any of this. Speaking of really this good are... books that we're talking about this now, all has to be used. If you don't put that in there, I quit. So <laughs> that is it. All right, and then we won't get a contract, and then you won't have Beats by Dre. That's true. And oh, my you won't write any true. more stories. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but for my ordination, Metz gave me. I think I was telling you this, Bisk, but he gave me the book The Strangest Way by Bishop Barron. Yeah. Who I think he wrote that quite a while ago. I don't know what year he actually published it. 01, actually. 01. Or 2000, something like that. But I realized, so I've been reading it, and it is, yeah, I just needed to read this book at this point. But uh, I realized that this book contains, like, my worldview and just, like, my vision of Catholicism (laughs) Everything. So at first I was reading, like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I agree with all this. And then I realized, well, it's like, yeah, Baron just taught me all this, <laughs> like instilled all of this in me, which is, so it has been very cool to read. And it's got his three paths and blah, blah, blah. But do you remember one night when we were at the Porter's Cabin in the fall and probably like the most fruitful conversation out there when we were talking about like the paths of your heart that oh, people yeah. reveal oh, yeah. to you? So it was just this idea that, um, like, other human beings, in a sense, like, reveal parts of your heart to you that you didn't know were there. 
And like once you're in that part of your heart, then there's like all these other, uh, I don't know, like journeys to go down now yeah. that you're there and you can go back to that place. And so I think we were talking about like ordinations coming up at that point And I don't know, just like the different girls we had loved and the different like friends that had had huge impacts on us and how each of them had kind of like revealed the spot in our heart to us that we didn't know was there. And I literally thought that was like, that was a huge conversation yeah. for me. It was so cool. And was just, I thought it was like this cool fruit of prayer and blah, blah, blah. Like, in a sense, I thought it was an original idea. And Baron literally spelled the same thing out from Plato's Symposium. Dang like, it. almost word for word. <laughs> Plato just talked about it, like, put it on the, the mouth of Socrates in the Symposium about how, like, our hearts can be arrested by beauty and then, like, leads us onto new pathways to discover beauty more deeply. So, just to throw that out there, you still with us, Bisque? Yeah, yeah. It was a bummer, but it's an amazing idea. That and that yeah. idea, like that, really fleshed itself out and became even more concrete after my diaconate retreat as well. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you remember that conversation, yeah, yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. That's just a very, that's a very real idea. Mm-hmm. Those conversations have been super fruitful. I didn't know Plato took it from us. Though. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm mad about. I don't right. know. If we... I wasn't even aware the time travel existed <laughs> at the time. Like, <laughs> maybe it was a thing with the Bill and Ted glitch. Didn't Bill and Ted go and get Socrates back in from the ancient times and bring them up to the nineties? They, they did. So, Socrates. Maybe yeah. there was a glitch in the Matrix or something, and he stole your idea while you were in the cabin. Went back. You know what is that? Three thousand years ago. Yeah, probably. That's classic it... Plato. Yeah, classic. What a jerk. Dude. You know what the name Plato is? It was actually his nickname. This is no, this is more. This is the fun fact section again. Okay. His name meant rock, I think, in Greek, rock or stone. And it was, uh, they think it was his like wrestling nickname for when he was a kid in the gymnasium because he was hard to move because he was kind of like this big blocky dude. Nice. Isn't that kind of interesting? This like massive mind from yeah. the ancient classical world. We call him kind of like Peter means rock. That is super interesting. Yeah. So, well, speaking of, I do have a, something actually interesting to say, which is um, about this worldview question of like having your worldview formed. Like Baron has obviously formed all of us. Even me, like he yeah. was coming to my parish when I was a kid. He was the first priest I ever listened to with any yeah, after, interest. After reading this book, I can't argue with that. Right. At all. At all. Um, <clears throat> but there was something that struck me. I've been thinking about a lot and I've mentioned in a few little homilies here and there, like at the baptism yesterday. Um about how how a worldview gets formed and there was it was in the Chaput book I was reading last week and he talked about how this this woman recalled the first time she ever I think how he phrased it was met God or encountered God or something like that she was five or six years old and they lived in the country not in Iliopolis but a town not unlike that in New York State where she could walk out her house and look up at the stars like not far from her house she could see all the stars of the night sky when it was clear. And her dad took her out one night when she was just a little five or six year old and was kind of pointing at the different stars and telling her which one was which and kind of drawing some of the constellations for her. And at some point he said this thing that she never forgot, which is God made the world beautiful because he loves us. And that stuck with her so much or like it affected her even at that young age before even what the Catholic Church would call the age of reason. Uh, at seven, it just everything after that was always filtered through that thing, which she knew was true. Her dad had said it. She was in this setting where it was clear to her the world was beautiful. So even at, the way Shapu explained it was like even as she learned in school about stars and the solar system and the earth revolving around the sun and what stars really are and how big the universe is and things like that, like the Big Bang, the actual scientific thing of like what things are and how they move the why was always answered by that simple phrase her dad had said when she was a little girl that the why everything is the way it is why you know you could explain through mathematics or like physics why the flower petal looks like that because it's the most efficient use of energy for the flower to you know point it to get the bee to get in there or whatever to you know you can you can just focus on the mechanics of it but why it would be that it's beautiful is because god loves us and um, 
I don't know, man. That's so profoundly cliche, but also profound in the genuine sense. Um, and it kind of goes back to, I, I don't know if you're both in the room about that, the, the Lost Tools of Learning book. Did you read that, by the way? I bought it. I haven't read it yet. Dang, I haven't read it either. Really worth it's, a read. It's very quick. I think it's like 30 pages or something. Uh, Dorothy Sayers from 1947 uh, about the trivium, the the three like middle age, the middle ages, um, how they taught kids grammar and then dialectic and then rhetoric, which is explaining why logic is so important, like learning the dialectic at a young age to like the building blocks of reason. It's learning the art of learning, not just learning subjects, but learning like how to learn things. And, um, the example, yeah, I did read this for you. The example of the, uh, fallacy that she read in like the new york times or something like the review of books oh, it's an argument against the existence of a creator that we can simulate the same exact uh you know trait selection that evolution would have selected for in random uh mutations that like you can see that in crossbreeding of animals or or whatever um and she's like well this is an obvious fallacy because that actually would seem to on the surface argue for the existence of a creator. If <laughs> you're saying that to create species with this differentia, you need to have like this guiding hand of the breeder to decide who mates with who and blah, blah, blah. But in fact, logically it doesn't, it doesn't say one way or the other, whether there's a creator. It just says that the building blocks of creation or what we would call creation, the building blocks of the things that exist, um, can be used randomly or can be guided by a hand. So like the piano example, like you, the same 12 note chromatic scale on a piano can be used to play and compose Beethoven's symphonies, or it can be jammed on by a toddler and uh, in the sort of random nonsensical noise. Uh, but like just thinking about like the flower example of God made the world beautiful because he loves us, like yeah, you can say mathematically why the flower has to be shaped like that in order for it to, you know, survive and compete among the other organisms in nature and yada, yada, yada. And you can talk about the coefficients of the gravitational law or Planck's constant and how things just had to be this way. And we can explain it with math and physics and chemistry and all that. But think about how much more interesting and kind of um, breathtaking it is that God used those same tools uh, that we use to make like machines and, and harness nature, he, that he made beautiful things with them, you know, like lilies and uh, stars and us, you know, like that's a worldview thing. That's just like you look, you're looking at the exact same. And this is going back to like the first episode of the season about how do I really see, what do I have to believe to really see mm -hmm. looking at the same exact world, man. But this five-year-old girl heard it from her dad that this is why things are the way they are. And no matter what else you learn, like you can learn evolution, you can learn uh, astrophysics, but the why question, that can't be learned by just studying physics. You have to be taught that and take it kind of on faith. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's just, that's just a... I'm grateful I'm Catholic. You know, I'm grateful I had guys like Baron in my life to you know, when I was a teenager to, to draw me into that. Cause it's not, it's not automatic, dude. No. And that's, I, that's what I, when you were going through that, that's what I was like thinking about was there's it, that evoked like such a movement of gratitude in me. I think especially coming off that weekend, we've been talking about like I was ordained a deacon, but also just got to spend the weekend at home, like around all these people that also like very much shaped me and formed me and loved me. And, um, and like that is, it was the perfect weekend for me, but at the same time, like because of them and because of that, like I do have the experiences of like seeing the world as beautiful and literally exactly that, like experiencing something as beautiful and, and in a sense, like knowing that God exists through that experience, but I've met people that, um, I think, you know, if, if you like just try to take them seriously, kind of like at their own word, um, I never had anybody word it like this, but in a sense, what they'll say is like they've been so wounded by 
relationships, whether family or other, that they can't not see the world as ugly. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's just that's just tough. Like it makes you at least it makes me just uh I don't know, just kind of the whole Theresean notion of like at that point, that's why that prayer has been so powerful for me of um just like Jesus just keep drawing me like farther into your own heart and um I'll just trust that like by doing that and by saying yes to that, you're gonna draw others with me, you know, whatever whatever comes because that's a that's an impossible question to answer like when they will formulate it like that it's like well this happened to me or like this 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 and this and some of it's heavy man and it's just it's like the opposite of that it's like they um they can't not see the world as ugly um especially in certain situations and with certain people and certain encounters um so i'm on board for what you're saying uh i don't know that's just what came to like came to mind um yeah yeah no so i'm actually i'm doing the camera reflection tomorrow and the reading for this sunday is the good shepherd and i was kind of preparing for it but then also reading a book that a, a fan sent me actually thank you lauren um is a fulton sheen's commentary on therese and therese just has a little line in there and she talks about for the rest of my life when she's in when she's in heaven for the rest of eternity her whole job is she's going to sing the mercies of God. And for her, the mercies of God were like basically preventing, um, preventing her from sinning massively because she knew, you know, she looked at Augustine and that whole notion that God saved her from a lot of those things. And both of those things kind of hit home. Um, and I'll give this reflection tomorrow, Rob, so you're basically going to get early taste of it. Double it up. Yeah. It's just like if I were to sing the mercies of God, it would be Thanksgiving for all the awesome shepherds that he's put in my life that like they just led me in a way that uh, I'm here in seminary and I see the world in a specific way that I did nothing to to earn. Like those, they were just gifts, you know, from my dad to Baron, all these guys. And one of the characteristics that I love about it is all of these like real deal shepherds who showed me the world. Like, this is how you experience the world. That's what they showed me is it was never anything of like, Hey, this is, this is, here's an idea. And if you just have this idea, um, then trust me, it's true. And you can just follow that idea until the cows come home and you'll be safe. It'll be fine. No, like all the best shepherds in my life have said, follow me because you can trust me. And like when my dad says that, and when Baron says that, I remember specifically when he got up one day and it was when they were going to leak a bunch of stuff around the scandal. Exactly what you're talking about. And he got up and he said, listen, Mm -hmm. don't listen. Don't listen to anybody else. If you have a question, come and talk to me, like get all of your info from me. And I'm going to essentially, I'm going to lead you through this. There was no arrogance. There was no pride. There was no anything except for, under that saying like, hey, I'm on the way, come and follow me, like you can trust me and I'll show you like how to actually experience the world, what truth actually is. And I've had people time and time again in my life where they've said, follow me. And like under that is like, follow, I'm on the way. This is Christ, like follow me. And trusting, I mean, it ultimately goes back. We don't believe in ideas. We follow people. And when those people have said, follow me, they have showed me the world. And so like the mercies of God in my life have been good shepherds who have said, follow me. And yeah, just a lot of gratitude for that. Tons and tons of gratitude for that. But Baron obviously being a huge figure and and my pops for it. Mm-hmm. That's yep. my reflection for tomorrow. It's one of my, it's one of my like, the most power that's one of the most powerful moments of the last five years for me is was that baron zach i know it was in the john paul ii chapel like yeah. that changed me man and i've been i've been sitting with and like trying to figure out because it wasn't it wasn't arrogant no not at all it no. was i mean a perfectly humble statement but it was true mm-hmm. and he said like follow me i am the guy 
I'm the guy that you need to follow. And like it, there just has to, he's, it's not a statement about him at that point. It's a statement about like, no, I believe that this is, that this is correct. I think how I remember it, I literally remember him saying is I know where we're going. Like, I think he used that line of like, I know where we're going. And I think he said at some point in it, too, of like, you can read the newspapers if you want to. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, you guys listen to me. Yeah. Um, oh, it was awesome. Were you there for that, Farquhar? I'm trying to remember. I don't think I was. It might have been your first year out, maybe. I don't yeah, know. Maybe your STL year. I'm not sure. I think it was. Yeah. It I, Was it 2013 when... Because Chicago went through a whole deal where they released a bunch of old files from yeah. some of the scandals. Y'all got yeah, I remember that. I remember it's that happening. Car- but I don't remember that. the Baron speech. Maybe it I, was. Maybe it was, I ditched it, dude. <laughs> maybe totally. Yeah. I think it was actually like it wasn't a big speech. I think it was before mass. Maybe. Hmm. Do you? Do you no, remember? It was, yeah, it was, just, it was just in his little. He every day before mass, he would do his little morning announcement. And, um, which he, we might even talk, he might've said something about that the first time he was on the podcast of that was, I think that was like something very clearly he wanted to do as rector just so we like saw he was here, you know, kind of like a, like a fatherly role in that. So if it was just saying like, good morning, he would be up there and say, say that in the mornings. But I think it was just as simple as that. Like it took him probably 20 seconds to say it, but I just remember sitting there like, that's it, dude. Just, totally. I would yeah. run through if he said run through this wall. Mm-hmm. I would run through a wall. I you know, just having like that much confidence in him. Yeah. And yeah, like I don't yeah. know what exactly that is. Yeah, I it don't really know. is true that people people follow people not ideas. Um, yeah. And I going back maybe a little bit to the notion of um worldview and even like I don't know. I was just thinking as well in this conversation. It's like, it's the same thing. It's kind of your similar point of a while ago of like, what do I need to believe in order to really see? And just like how much farther is to go for all of us in, in that. Um, Cause I'm, I'm convinced that that is like tied to that notion of like what Baron was able to get up there and do that day without arrogance is tied to like how he sees the world. Mm-hmm. In a sense of like, this isn't about me or anything, but like, I'm your rector and I'm your spiritual father. And this is going to, this could be like a really tough day. Yeah. So you stay very close to me right now. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's similar, you know, kind of thrown around Therese a couple of times, but like just her understanding of suffering, like the mercies of God, how she understood like sufferings in a sense to be the mercies of of god like there's yeah. not a lot she writes it very in like a romantic prose or something when you read story of a soul but i mean there's not much romantic about her life or especially the end of her life i mean she lost her mom when she was four her dad in a sense like went crazy i mean yeah. ended his days completely out of it like a very tragic yeah. story um she died at 24 yeah you know uh i mean so to be able to like see the world like she did is just it's almost incomprehensible but at least the desire is there that's all i would say yeah. on it um yeah yeah it's super dang it's just yeah she is unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I was just reading an intro to Christianity with by Ratzinger. Have you ever read that, Connor? Mm-hmm. He uses her in the intro for the book, really? of, like the beginning of it. I don't remember that. And it's it's relatively brief, but he just talks about, man, I really don't want to mess this up because it's so very beautiful. But the, the ability to look at the world with the eyes of faith and to say that God exists. Um, he uses her as somebody whose entire world is shaped by the faith. Her entire worldview is 
sacramental, like to be able to, to see the world in that way. And her greatest temptation where every single aspect of her life pointed to the reality of a God, she still had these massive, massive doubts where, or she, I mean, she had those really horrific temptations where like heaven wasn't real, where God didn't exist. I mean, like the brink of despair. I mean, it was, you read it and you can like really feel her torment in it because these are the things that she loves. So how, how inescapable that question of faith is. And he used her as an example on the other side where he's saying um, people who don't have faith, um, they still encounter this possibility of doubt, but on the opposite side where huh, maybe, yeah. maybe there is a possibility that God does exist. Right. Even in a world that Mm, like that's you, a nice move. Like what I you're like saying, people yeah. who see the world that's so wounded and so full of pain and hurt and sin and suffering, yeah, there is still the possibility. Maybe, maybe God does exist, and that's so he uses Therese as the example on the flip side of Ooh, it. I very, like that. very beautiful. Actually, the intro to this thing is dope. I've read it twice already, and I still don't totally get it but it is <laughs> that's incredible yeah yeah he's unbelievable he's not much unbelievable. of an introduction to christianity but i like yeah. that you like that you're going over the introduction to the introduction of to christianity <laughs> that's that's, that's kind of where i need to stay yeah. <laughs> Just keep reading that. I, I haven't yeah. gotten past it yet i know i read it twice still don't get it but i know there's something there and yeah. if i keep chiseling at it isn't that beautiful that's, that's a clever move i like that <laughs> a lot man yeah Probably, or it, it, maybe, maybe there's just a chance, you know? Mm-hmm. Ugh, that's good stuff. Well, I got to bounce, bro dudes, unfortunate law. You got to bounce? Where are you going? Got a dinner with a parish. Ugh. Ugh. Well, I'm glad we got a cast in. Yeah, this was groovy. Anyway. It was groove. I'm a, mm-hmm, bre- I'm a breathing. Mm-hmm. I'm a breathing all my were. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Down.